We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. All right, I'm going to make an attempt to get through this tonight and not belabor this. Yeah, well, that'll double my effort. <laughs> so let's see if we can glide on through this. But if you have a question or you have a statement, please uh, you can stop the gliding for a little bit. So we, we went through verse 15 last week, didn't we? So, so we're going to start at 16. We're going to read it. We're going to move as best we can. Verse 16, then he that had received the fire. Wait, wait a minute. Let me back up. Verse 24. Verse 17. Here we go. Let him which is on the housetop uh, not come down to take anything out of his house. Uh, the houses in that time, well, let me back up. We need to do 16. It's, it's a quick. Then let them which be in, the, uh, be in Judea flee into the mountains. Uh, historians say that, that after uh, Jerusalem was besieged, Christians fled the mountains just before that happened. We talked about this last week. Uh, as they fled Jerusalem, they fled into a place called Pella and some other places, but they, Pella was just beyond the Jordan River. So uh, this was one way, and the reason this is important, if, if you remember, the reason that Jerusalem is sacked is that God had to do some things. Number one, he had to end the Judaistic practice of the Old Testament law. Uh, number two is that the church, and even though it was growing in Jerusalem, wasn't growing outside of Jerusalem. And so to get the church to get out and, and, and go into all the world and preach the gospel, this was the way God had to do it, was to get them out of Jerusalem and scatter them out into the world. And so there's, there's multiple reasons that, uh, that God did what he did and, and allowed this to happen to Jerusalem. But that's the two main factors, was to end the, Judaistic, or the Judaism and the law and to get the church on the way, on the move. So verse 17, uh, again, let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. The houses in that day in that particular uh, area of the world uh, were flat-roofed houses, and those flat-roofed houses would, would be house to house to house to house connected, sort of like you see like an apartment complex, but it's just simple house, but, uh, or, or I guess today what we call duplexes, but, but right next to each other. And the only way to get on the rooftop was there were stairs outside and that's how you went up and down on the rooftop. And so the, the, the flat roof houses were terraced together, put together. So a lot of times when people traversed through the city, they didn't use a street. They would go climb up on their housetop and go down. Maybe they're going to go down 10 houses down. They just walked across the roofs of the house and then came down the steps. And that's, that's how it's really odd how when you read Scripture, you don't know until you start studying this stuff. And so stuff kind of makes sense then when you start thinking about it. Why would he say that? Why would he say, you know, come down, who's on their housetop? Well, a lot of people were on their housetop. So Jesus said, don't, don't, you know, if you're on the housetop and you're traversing and you're making your way down, uh, you know, when all this goes down, don't go back and go downstairs and go get stuff out of your house. You just need to flee. Get out of there. Get quickly. You know, pursue the course atop the houses. Don't get off the top of the house. Keep moving. Verse 18. See, y'all realize I'm going to try to push through this. Okay. Neither let him which is in the field return back to his own clothes. So, you know, that seems kind of odd. Return back to his, his own clothes. Take his clothes. So if you're in the field, don't, don't go back and get your clothes. Don't, and the, you have to understand that because 
once the Romans got there and besieged it, there was no way. That, these two are kind of connected because it's to understand, listen, when this goes down, you need to get out. Jesus is saying you need to get, because if, if you go back into your house to retrieve any property, or if you, if you just want to go get your clothes, you're going to get caught in the besieging of Jerusalem and not escape it. So that's the point Jesus is making here. It's coming, and, and you need to be aware. And, and it's kind of like now in the latter-day times that we live in, Jesus is coming. There's some things we're going to come back to in this chapter later on that connects to us, the church. But Jesus is coming, and it's no time to, to be on the housetop, be, be going where we need to be going, and to go back and look for our own possessions. There's no time for us to be, you know, collecting our things. See, that's a problem in the church today. It's a problem in our world. Everybody wants their things. And so with the fact that Jesus is coming soon, it's no time to look back. It's no time to, you know, want our stuff. There's nothing wrong with wanting stuff and having stuff. But but don't let that be your, don't let it be the fault of you not traversing the rooftop or not going after those that are lost. Does that make sense? Okay. Verse 19, and woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. So understand this, that if there's a besieging of Jerusalem, it's going to be hard for a pregnant woman to escape. And I've never been pregnant, so I don't understand that. But I, I, I know my wife was, and so I know how hard it was for her to move, how difficult. And so just, you know, part of this and there's there's a greater part of this but i want to just go through it you know understanding that these these verses here are connected that you know it's hard for a woman that has a child if she's pregnant to move but if she has a child and that child to take that you know how you ladies you know how it is get your children get them together uh, and, and there's a deeper meaning we're going to come back to later okay so let me tra traverse, if you will. Josephus says that the houses in Jerusalem were full of women and children in the time. of. Th this is interesting. Jesus would say this because when that did go down, when the besiege of Jerusalem did happen, the historian Josephus said that the houses, the, the, the primary populace of Jerusalem was women and children, not men. Women and children. So when he said that, there was an understanding. That this, and here's something Josephus wrote. He said, there, in the time of the besieging, Understand this, that they, they literally start, they sit out and they, they just starved them out. They starved the people of Jerusalem. To the point, Josephus said that, and, and remember, Josephus had made a turn, and how Josephus knows this is that he's now operating under the guise of Roman historian. So he, he was able to be there and understand and talk to people. So it's kind of like a reporter that was at a, an event, Josephus was the reporter at the event. And so in these things in history, he just re reported the event. Some of the, he said that women were taking food out of their own children's mouths. They were starving so much. He speaks in, in his writings of a lady named Mary. who uh, She was the daughter of a guy named Eliezer. She killed and boiled her child so, so that she, and, and ate half the child before you know, she was discovered and they killed her. This is what's going on. But Jesus warned them this was going to happen. Verse 20, but pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath. The, the, word for, the Greek word for winter here means rainy season. 
We think of winter snow, but the word winter there in the Greek means rainy season. So why would Jesus say, you know, pray that your flight's not in the rainy season, neither on the Sabbath? Well, think about the roads in those days. Think about traversing through rain. You know how it is if you've been out in the country, especially, where we've got a lot of dirt roads that rains. Okay, makes sense. Uh, as well, neither on the Sabbath. The problem with, tra- with the Jew moving on the Sabbath was what? Anybody? Any trip. Yeah. A quarter of a mile is as far as they could travel, and so they were never going to get out of the city. If it was on the Sabbath, they couldn't, by law, leave. Jesus was warning them of these things. On the Sabbath, yeah. After a quarter of a mile, you were considered to be working on the Sabbath. Yeah, the Christians were different than, but Jesus, when he's talking here, he's talking to his followers, but he's talking to the Jews, Israel, about the immediate things. Now, again, we're going to come back to this because there's a secondary part of this that Jesus was talking about, about us in the end time. That's very interesting, the the parallel there. So, uh, verse 21, I told you I was going to get through. For then shall be, for then shall be great tribulation, which as was not since uh, the beginning of the world to this time, nor uh, no, not ever shall there be. Uh, and so, when we look at that, understanding that the things that Israel is about to go through in Jerusalem, that no one's experienced this. Think about what Israel experienced first before. Think of all the things they've gone through. And Jesus said, now what's going to happen to Jerusalem? You've never experienced any tribulation like this ever before, is what he's saying here. Now, again, when he's speaking directly to the Jews here and directly to those disciples, we're going to come back to this later because it it has a secondary, uh, the miseries they're about to go through or unlike any miseries they've ever experienced. And part of that, you know, Jesus wept when he wept over the city, stood over the city. Jesus foresaw all these things happening. Again, the temple had to be destroyed. He knew that was coming. Uh, Judaism had to be erased as well. Jerusalem had to be destroyed so the church would go out and evangelize. The calamities prophesied by Moses. And here's the thing. When you look back, Moses, Joel, Daniel, and other prophets prophesied of this calamity. Not, not just one particular Daniel, but there are, are, are places all throughout the Old Testament this is prophesied. And, and they, it was to be the, the worst generation, the, the most terrible generation that, they, uh, that would experience those, those things. So it's, here's a unique thing in history, that the temple of Jesus' day was destroyed by the Romans on the same day of the same much, of the same month as the original temple was destroyed by the Babylonians. Same month, same day. God's pretty consistent, isn't he? Same month, same day. First one is destroyed. The second one's destroyed. So that would lead me to believe that in this final, when that final temple is built, that the same month, the same day, it's going to happen. So there's some things. Stick, stick that in your, because we're going to talk about the same month and the same day a little later on. Verse 22. If I'm hurrying and y'all don't like it, just say stop. Okay. And except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh, uh, flesh saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Josephus says that about 1,100,000 people perished in Jerusalem at the besiege 
and destruction of Jerusalem. 1,100,000. That, that, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. The Romans continued their onslaught. Actually, they didn't, the Romans didn't stop in Jerusalem. Once this thing got to rolling, they started going outside of Jerusalem and finding Jews everywhere and destroying them, killing them. And so that's why, the, you know, the, had, had it continued on, Israel would have all but been destroyed. All of the people of Israel would have been destroyed uh, had the days not been shortened. They, they would have continually wiped it until they just wiped them out. But the days of their attack against the Jews was shortened. Now, again, we, we look at this verse and the end time verse, and we're thinking something different, right? Okay, so keep in mind, because there's parallels or pictures or like types and shadows, I just want that to kind of stick in your mind. So when we come back to it, it'll, it'll kind of ring a bell. It says, but for the elect's sake. So in that time, the elect was who? The, the chosen ones, the elect. We understand the, the original elect was the Old Testament church or the Jews, but that switched over when Jesus died, rose again, we became the church. Then the church became the elect, and the Jews were no longer the elect. But for the elect's sake, the, those days were shortened. The, the Greek word for shortened here means abridged or docked. You know, have you ever had your pay docked? You know what the, you ever had your pay docked? Now, I'm working 40 hours. Well, you know what? You didn't do what you were supposed to do, so we're only going to pay you for 32. We're going to dock your pay. And, you know, this kind of, that, that's what that word shortened means. It means, in other words, it was stopped at a certain point. God allowed it to only go so far, to the destruction of the Jewish race, only so far. And that was it. So verses 23 and 24, that if any man shall say unto you, lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not, there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. So Jesus had warned before of false Christ. Remember we talked earlier in our studies. But he seems to take extra caution in warning them about the siege. And after the siege of Jerusalem, what was going to happen, that there would be false Christs and false prophets. And why would that be? Well, anytime, listen, when you're under pressure, you're under siege, it's easy to be compromised, right? It's, you're more susceptible to wanting to believe somebody's going to save me. And so Jesus is saying, understand something. When all this stuff goes down, there's going to be those that show up. And because of that, you're going to, it's going to be easier for you to be deceived. So be very aware of that. In fact, there many did arise after this. Many arose after the destruction of Jerusalem, uh, promising God's deliverance. Uh, and we've noted in the book of Acts those that are mentioned. But, you know, here's the thing. Calamity will bring confusion, right? When there's a calamity, it brings confusion. And then what happens? Confusion brings false hope. When people are confused, they're looking for some kind of hope. And that's where false hope takes its opportunity to step in. And anybody that would offer it. That, that's, you, you ever wonder why the David Koresh's and, you know, the Jim Joneses and all these guys, how they can, can create such a following? They're, they're offering a false hope, but there are people who in their lives have calamity or they've lost their hope. When you hear those people, you know, the people that got out and survived and made it, they'll tell you the same story. They all tell you the same story. It's the same one. And it's the story before they came there. And it's that, you know what, I had lost my hope. I had no, my family, all of this stuff, we're broken up or this or that, calamity in their life. You don't find reasonable, sane people 
going into those situations. And that's why false prophets work so well. They understand that. And they're doing it for their own gain. So verse 25, Behold, I have told you before. That's pretty simple. I've just warned you. 26, Wherefore, if there shall say unto you, Behold, he's in the desert, go not forth. Behold, if he's in the secret chambers, believe it not. Jesus not only foretold the appearance of these imposters that would come as messiahs, come as deliverers, but he's kind of told them how they're going to operate. In other words, he said, listen, these people are going to come and they're going to want you to come out to the desert. It's kind of like, you know, these people are going to come and they're going to want you to come to their compound in Waco or their compound in South America. It's the same principle. And their end time principles go back to what Jesus was telling them what happened in their day. And so he said, listen, Josephus, you know, we've talked about this, and so I won't belabor it. Josephus spoke about those that, that took people into the desert directly after all this happened and promised them, uh, you know, you come to the desert, you're going to see great signs and great wonders. You're going to have deliverance. He, he mentions a false prophet who said to the people at that time, after all this happened, he said, listen, God's command is for all of us to get to a temple. And when we get to the temple, we're going to be delivered. He said this particular person took thousands. And we're going to tell you how many here. Men, women, children. They went to the temple. But instead of receiving their deliverance, the Romans set the place on fire and burned them all, 6,000 people. That's what happens with false prophets and false prophecy. Uh, no, what the false prophet was simply some, someone that, want, that had that, the need, because that, that's the deal with false prophets are driven by satanic force and the devil had the need to be worshiped like god had the need to be as god and so that's what false prophets usually do they have a need for people to follow them and worship them and you know it starts off just like the jim jones things if you you know i can remember this it starts off with you know what this is you know they were sort of somewhat pentecostal you know what i'm saying and so they gave hope he gave hope to people, but as this thing began to come together, he was the one who would later say himself, I am Jesus Christ. You know, but that didn't just crop up. He started off with that. And that's what false prophets do. They have, they have a, an internal thing into them that they want to derive something out of what you can give them. They, they want to get something. They want your worship. They want your attention. Here's the scary thing is that you find these in church. False prophets usually come out of a church somewhere. They don't just crop up out of the world. Have you noticed that? And, and so Jesus is trying to help them to understand something. It's going to be somebody among you that does these things. So in the, in the modern era now of the times of the end, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but understand this, that these false prophets will come out of the church world. They won't come out of a non-church world. They will come out of the church world and will lead people with great signs and wonders. The Antichrist is going to be able to present great signs and wonders. What's a sign? A miracle? What is a sign? If you see a sign that says stop, what is that sign there for? Warn you? Okay. If you see a sign that says left turn, what is that telling you? 
Okay, so signs do what for you? Say again? Give you information. What else do signs do? They, they warn you. What else? They tell you what to do. They give you direction. So there'll be great signs. And then what's wonders? I mean, you can look this up in the, in your, on your free time. <laughs> wonders. Signs and wonders. Because, okay. But did, did Jesus not produce wonders? Sure he did. Things that wow you, a wonder. They're physical things that happen that the, in the, we don't understand them because they're, they have spiritual aspect to them. That's why Jesus was constantly explaining the things that went on is that they could only see the physical. They couldn't get it, so he would have to pull them to the side and say, here's the spiritual aspect of this wonder that you saw. It's greater than what you just saw. You just saw blind my, my my eyes open, but this thing is greater than that, and that's what and that's what false prophets will do. They'll produce wonders, things that you'll see in the physical, but they'll explain to you in the spiritual. The problem is they're going to explain to you their their version, their realm, the direction they want to take you. That's why people get sucked into these cults like they do. Is that hath God not said thing? It'll be so lined up with God, but so out of whack with God. It'll appear and look like. It'll take on the form. All of those things. You know, one of the things that Satan said to Adam, won't you be like God's? You see what he does? Mm-hmm. Same here. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do as I say, not as I do. You ever heard that? That is a that is a false prophet's favorite favorite line. Do as I say, not as I do. Anybody that listen, this is this this is how does Megan used to call it sketchy. So y'all sketchy. If someone tells you, don't you know, listen, you just believe what I tell you. You, you just do what I tell you and believe what I tell you. You don't need to go look yourself. Just If anybody does that, you need to get out of there as quick as you can. You need to get out of there as quick as you can. Now, it's, you should always be able to trust your pastor. You should believe that your pastor loves you and wants you to know the truth. But if you're willing to chance your soul for your pastor, you need to get out of that. I didn't say get out of there, get out of that, because your pastor can't tell you every single thing, can't lead you every single direction. The pastor is there to, the Bible says, to get you into a place uh, uh, of maturity. But you know what? When your kids are growing up, to get them into a place of maturity, you have to allow them to, to fail, allow them to grow, allow them to, one of the worst things you can do is never allow your child to fail. Never put them out there where they don't do it themselves. Because if they fail, they learn from it. If, if they succeed, they learn from it. And they learn what it means to succeed and how to succeed. But if you just hold on to them and don't let that happen, you're setting them up for the ultimate failure of life. The ultimate failure of life. And it's, just, it's more important spiritually that if a pastor never is allowed people in their church to you know because some of us came from some pretty sketchy backgrounds where the pastor was the ultimate word and you didn't dare challenge the pastor you know i i knew some pastors and i'm sure i didn't know as many as bishop knew but i knew some pastors if you challenged them you were brought up before the church and you were considered heretical until you prayed through now prayed through i'm not sure where that term came from but because i can't find it in the bible but they wanted to hear you speak in tongues. So, you know, we, we got a lot of things that we say and do. We just need to take a look at. It's somewhat sketchy. That's how false prophecy and false prophets take their hold on your life. You know, I, I, there, there are pastors or preachers that I will watch, uh, and it's very few because you all know how I feel about that. But I watch and listen to them. I had one that I really felt good about. I thought, man, the guy, and guess what? Moves to California, gets himself a gay haircut, and now he's become one of them. All right. 
I had my say. You're going to have to take that off, by the way. Not because, because this person's going to know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Y'all think I'm joking about gay haircut, but you understand something. In that particular society, they have certain haircuts that mean certain things. And if you just go look that up yourself because I'm not going to tell you. I'm not, I'm not going to talk like that in church. I've already said enough. The very best men that I have known taught things that they learned later wasn't right. Yeah. You know, and, and I think every teacher has come to a place where they have matured mm-hmm. and they have come to an understanding. So, you know, er- everything that a teacher says may not be absolutely right. Right. But is their heart right? That's the key. Why are they teaching you what they're teaching? Right. At the time, they may be teaching you something that doesn't totally line up, but they're teaching you with the heart of, I want you to be a good Christian. Exactly what you're saying. There are others that say, I'm teaching you this because I need to control your life. I just don't believe anybody whose life doesn't measure up to their lip. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, what you say means absolutely nothing if you don't do yeah. what you said. Jesus said, don't be hearers, don't, don't, don't just talk about it, be doers, because those two connect and make what, and that's another problem with, with the false prophet deal. See, I'm running out of time, but I did get further. Okay, I got to stop here. Are we going to skip verse 27? (laughs) We don't have to go every verse. Expository is verse by verse, but we don't have to. For whosoever uh, the carcass is, wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Now, what he's saying to them personally is, and what he's explaining to them is, as, as you know, you you hear the, the budding of the fig tree in Scripture, and so what does the fig tree represent? Okay, so understand what carcass is here. He's talking about Jerusalem. Now, he's, again, we're talking about he's talking to the Jews here. We're going to come back to this later because it has a fulfillment in the, in the latter days. But the carcass here he's talking about is Jerusalem. And the eagles are those vultures. Rome. The eagle represents Rome's biggest... The eagle. And so what he was telling them is, listen, understand something. So let's read it like, if you know, Jesus was being prophetic here, and he was somewhat being revelatory like revelation. For who's, wheresoever uh, the Jerusalem is, there were the eagles, or there were the Romans be gathered together. The Romans, yeah. What, what, and again, you gotta, you got to back up to the... For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth in the west, you understand that when the Romans came, they came from the east and progressed through the west. That's what they, and so, again, he's speaking to them first, but we're going to come back to this because there's a greater meaning to it. So when you go back and understand everything Jesus just talked about, he's saying to them, listen, when all this goes down, understand this. When, when Jerusalem is sacked and all this stuff happens and all these people are being, all this stuff, understand this. That were the carcass, and we know what a carcass is, right? What is a carcass? It's a dead body. And vultures and eagles prey on a dead carcass different 
than any other animal. The first thing they go for is the eyes. Yeah. Because if the animal is has any life in it, it will automatically protect its eyes. Mm-hmm. And so when Satan attacks. Where does he go? Where does he go? Yeah. Well, you know, we're going to get, no, we're not getting ahead of ourselves, but that's the connection. Understand something about today's. Rome, as it says, as lightning cometh from the east to the west, Rome attacked Jerusalem from the east. And, and as they came through the east and made their way through, they kept going. They didn't, and that's what Jesus was telling them. Listen, they're going to come from the east. They're going to hit you from the east. And they're going to, it's going to be total destruction, but they're not going to stop. They're going to keep going west. I mean, we, we just talked about how that they went after other Jews. So, again, it's a conglomerate, I'm sorry, of this whole thing he's talking about. Okay, so, so number one, where, where is east, east, east Texas to the Louisiana is west, right? So when Jesus is supposed to split the eastern, eastern gate, understand everything is relative to Jerusalem. So he's, when he returns, he returns where? The eastern gate. So, so but there, again, that's, you're right, but that goes back. We're going to come back to this. No, because you could be looking west. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's everything is relative to Jerusalem. And since Jerusalem is where it's at and the United States is where it's at, if we were looking east, we would have to look all the way around the globe and come back, you know, so, so understand that there, when it speaks of, and when we get to the, uh, the modern times, end times, we're going to get into what these, there's so much symbolism. You know, Bishop and I were talking about there's so much revelation is symbolism, symbolism. How can he be the lion and the lamb? How, how is that not to people? It's symbolism. It's not actual personages, but it's symbolism. How can you be a father and a son? Those are symbols of who you are, but they're relative to I'm a father to my children and a son to my parents. I can never be a son to my children and a father to my parents. So the symbol, we're going to get into that symbolism because it's going to change our way of thinking. I'm looking at a map and it is way west. West. Of the Middle East Yeah, you see, see, yeah, see. One of the problems, one of the things. No, east. One of the things that the, the Italians hated was the fact that they had to traverse across that Mediterranean and go and pick up slaves in in Israel and traverse it back and bring them back. They hated that, as well as many of the the Italians had to leave their family, traverse across there, and live there for years to try to keep quell down. And so that, yeah, that's that. Rome is actually west of Israel. And so because Rome was west, when Rome attacked Israel, where, where, where was Rome going to? They were going east. And so understand that. 
But understand they were being attacked from the east. Again, we're getting into some symbolism here. Yeah, the east east side. But so so understanding military let's just make it simple simplify this. Just because we were going to attack the Philippines area doesn't mean as the country of the United States we were literally going to come from their east side. We might have circled around and came from their west side. So understand, and again, this goes back to the symbolism thing, but in the origin, that's exactly what happened to Jerusalem. They were attacked, and there's a reason for that. It's Eastern Gate. There's, there are particular reasons that when we go into the uh, now times, that makes very much will make very much sense to you. So it's a good question, because if they're coming from the west, it seems they would attack from that way. But there's a reason this, when Jesus said they're coming from the east. There's a reason he said this, which is the lightning is from the east. There's a whole reason for all of this. So I'm sorry I can't. You know we'll get way ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot and those those things of the Old Testament that were physical were types and shadows of the New Testament. So that's coming up. We're going to talk about that stuff. That's why I want to get out of Matthew as quick as I can. Because I want to talk about this stuff because it all ties together and makes sense. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Well, there, yeah, see, there are levels of Scripture that are like onion. You can keep peeling it back. Right. But, but you got, what you've got to remember is all the pieces of that onion, when you peel it back, still have to all come together as to what the centerpiece of the onion is. Otherwise, it's not onion. So it all has to be relative to it. So, yes. I mean, you, 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 can, get, you can get into the depth of your own life. If, if, me, if, if, I've, if I'm a dead person as a Christian... And then guess what? The, the the devils are going to circle my dead body. I mean, there's just different levels, yeah. Every scripture has one interpretation, but many applications. Yeah. So you could, yeah, one scripture, you can have 50 sermons off the one scripture that apply to 50 different things, but the, the original interpretation has to be the original interpretation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next week, hopefully we'll get into, you know, the rest of it talks, well, we'll get into it next week. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you all this weekend. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.